You know that last song, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It doesn't rhyme on the one line. It's like, it should be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> if you're rhyming. But still a good song. Second Timothy. Glad you came in this morning. I'd say we're back from the sunny south, but it was not very sunny. Didn't bother me any. I know the girls were like, oh, we want some heat. Yeah, I'm like, turn up the air. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 3. It is in the New Testament somewhere. Thank you. That's an errand I wouldn't want to run. Yeah, that's right. It, yeah. We'd be glad you're not my kid. I just sent my son to go get my hanky. <laughs> just reach in my pocket. Ew. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3. The Bible says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Brother Brian, why don't you pray and ask the Lord for help in the teaching this morning. Amen. And then, of course, verse 4 says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him to, to, who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And we, we said this, uh, that it takes, it takes money to deal with the affairs of this life. I don't care how you slice it or dice it, it's going to take money, and you've got to pay attention to money matters as a Christian, or else you get tangled up. And uh, that's how you know for sure we're in the latest in church period, because we have, uh, we always got to have everything, and we have everything, and then we think we don't need anything because of everything that we have. And that's the entanglement that'll get in your life if you're not careful. We said this, you only need so much money to live. And, uh, and the rest, uh, the old preacher said, you're just going to use to show off. Look at verse 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. All right, so simply put, uh, if you don't win fair as a Christian, uh, you don't win at all. And we said this, anybody can be joyful in the winning. Remember that? Uh, it's really not a big deal to be joyful in the winning. I mean, if, you, if you're not joyful in the winning, maybe you need medication, I don't know. But when you win, it's easy to be happy. The test of your character as a Christian is when you lose and you're still joyful in the Lord. Are you a good loser? <laughs> That's a hard thing, isn't it? I'd, you know, be a good loser. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not what they teach you, you know. Now, if you had a good coach and you played some sports and they'd try to teach you some character, but half the time, by the time you get to school, your character is all tested out already. But the big test in the Christian life is never winning. It's never winning. The big test is losing. Uh, the test is this, uh, how can you bounce off the bottom? 
old David. We're going through David on Wednesday, uh, First Samuel. Yeah, First Samuel on Wednesday nights, and David had to bounce off the bottom. Uh, just as soon as he was anointed king as a what seventeen-year-old boy, as soon as uh, you know the, the 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 prophet Samuel put all that honor upon him in front of all of his family, man, and all of a sudden he's killing giants, right? And uh, he's uh, you know. Saul's killing his thousands and David is 10,000. As soon as that happens, it's like the Lord just goes, enjoy the trip. <laughs> and down he goes and down he goes. And we're preaching through that right now. And David, he's still fine on the bottom. And on uh, Wednesday night, we're right about, what is it, 22? Right about to the cave. It would seem like the lowest point for David. And what that's got to happen is the Lord's got to teach you and I to lose and lose well. And that's, uh, and, uh, and that's the real test. The Bible says in Matthew 10, 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And so uh, we just said this. There are some things in your Christian life that you're going to have to lose. You're going to have to lose. That's a difficult thing. As uh, For many, many years I thought I needed to help God out and have this and do this and be here and be at this position financially and be at this position so the Lord could actually do something when the Lord's like, no, you need to lose some things. And uh, the Lord will redo those things if you let him take some stuff away. And uh, most of the time as a Christian, I'll speak uh, for myself, uh, security is found in things. Security is found in relationships. And it seemed like the closer I'd get to a fella and I'd uh, fella be a good friend with and be a best friend as soon as I got super close to an individual, the Lord said, nope. <laughs> Nope, and then take that friend away, just like that. He said, well, you must be a real jerk. Maybe some days, amen, just like you. <laughs> but uh, the Lord's taught me over the years that he wants me to be closer to him than any man. And there's something about my makeup, maybe you're not like that, but something about my makeup, I, I'd like to have a good friend. You know what I mean? Now, the Lord's given me some good mentors. That's a different, that's a friendship, but it's different. It's a different level of mentors is someone that you have great respect for, someone that uh, holds you holds your feet to the fire, not afraid to say, hey, uh, you better watch your step. But there's something about something. The Lord will redo some things and take some stuff away. But uh, you and I as Christians, and Paul's admonishing Timothy here, we're going to have to please God, and we're going to have to do it uh, the right way and lose some things, strive lawfully. Uh, you can't be the Christian that kicks the doors in, you know, <laughs> Well, I just know it's the Lord's will for me, uh, you know, to be married. So I'm just going to go get married. Man, I tell you what, you get married outside the will of God, that's a stinking prison sentence. <laughs> Amen. I'm not serving one. I'm just telling you. I said, if you get married outside the will of God, it's a stinking prison sentence. You say, well, what do you do? Well, do your time. <laughs> well, I can't. Well, then... Prison break, sing Folsom Blues or something. I don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but you got to be careful that you're not that Christian that's trying to force the doors open. Look, there's things that you love. I'll give you an example here. I know you don't believe this, but my passion is being outside in the woods. Firewood. Say, that is the dumbest. I know. That's why God made me the way he did. I'd rather swing an axe and fire. I'd rather watch my boys <laughs> swing an axe. I just like that stuff. I like taking a tree 
and just cutting it all up and you know just mastering that tree and basically turning it into toothpicks. That, that is like the, the sense of accomplishment. I know that's not very, you know, uppity, but I'm like, cool, you know, one tree, and then it's just like all this finely, that, I, I like that. That's a passion. But the Lord called me to preach. And so there's my passion. That's the wood. And there's my calling. That's preaching and teaching and feeding the flock. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And then the Lord's like, I'm going to give you some work. You say, what's that, teaching school? <laughs> You see that? But uh, you got to be careful as a Christian that you don't try to force doors open because you like it. you got to find out what God wants for you. And uh, uh, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, trying to get back into this uh, passage here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. On this thought of striving lawfully, Paul says here to his Philippian converts of verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Well, for me, I guess that's cutting wood. You see that? For me, that's, uh, you know, what I enjoy doing. All things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. You see that? The suffering comes when? When you start doing what God wants you to do. I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. Everybody knows what dung is, right? <laughs> that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God by faith, verse 10, that I may know him. And that's what everyone should desire here today, to know him. Not just like be saved, but know him in a personal way and get close to him. And let that relationship be more important than anything else. And then, of course, once you do that, you know, uh, you, you know him, then the power comes and the power of his resurrection. And then, of course, once you start to experience the power, here comes the pain and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That's, that's misery that's coming out of you ministering to others because of Jesus Christ. And uh, so you got to strive lawfully, Paul says back in 2 Timothy. And uh, so when you stop and think about it, no matter how you do it, you've got a group out there that is non-local church, non-local church. And that's, uh, that's a group of rebels. I didn't say they weren't saved. See what I mean? That makes sense. They're saved, but they're non-local church. They won't go to church. They won't yoke up with God's man. Uh, you say, well, uh, you, you just think you're, no, I, look, there's many churches around the area. Uh, I can point you to two other Bible-believing churches within 50 miles. <clears throat> I mean, they're, I, might, they, I might not be on the you know, top Christmas card list with them, but it's still, a, you know, they're a Bible-believing church, you know what I mean? And uh, if, uh, if you're a Christian, you need to be where Christians gather. I mean, stay with me for a second. Not that you would, but if you were part of the moose club, wouldn't you go to the meetings? I wouldn't be a moose, you know. I've been accused of being an ox before, <laughs> right? Now, if you're a Boy Scout, and I wouldn't be a Boy Scout because they let queers in, you know, right? But if you're a Boy Scout, wouldn't you go to, what is it, Boy Scout meetings? I mean, they had, uh, you know, I was in a Awana, and I was in Sparks, you know, and they had times they met. Play games, 
And guess what? I wore a uniform. I was part of it. And if you didn't come, how'd that go? No, if you didn't part if you didn't say sections for like three weeks in a row, you know what you had to do during game time? You had to sit on the black rope. You want to talk about racism, man. <laughs> uh, you say, well, I'm part. Be a part. Uh, you got clubs in town. You got all kinds. You, you see what I'm saying? And uh, you got to do things lawfully. But the, a Christian that won't go to church uh, and won't be a part of a local church, they're just rebels. You say, well, you know, preacher, you know, just, no, they're rebels. There's no other way to look at it. And uh, they won't be crowned. That's the thing. They won't be crowned because they won't strive lawfully. Did you catch it? Christians that won't yoke up with the local church, they won't get the crown. Uh, a fellow was uh, talking to me a while back, and he's like, he said, Brother Jeremiah, I have been to church in so long. He said, but I win souls of Jesus Christ all the time. I said, so? As if winning a soul to Jesus Christ justifies you not being a part of a local church. Now, we don't harp on church attendance. We're just preaching through the passage, and you've got to strive lawfully. But you need to understand, and I'm sure you do, that if you're not a part, which you are, so don't worry about it. It's not to you. It's not, I don't have an agenda. Only the Bible has the agenda. And if you don't, if you don't strive lawfully, uh, you're not going to get the crown. It doesn't matter how many personal ministries and things you do in person and how many tracts you pass out. Uh, if you don't do it God's way, you're not going to get the crown. You're not going to get the crown. And uh, isn't it interesting, uh, the judgment seat of Christ is going to set everything on an even keel. And uh, there's going to be a bunch of Bible believers at the judgment seat of Christ who refuse to get under a man because they didn't think he was qualified to minister to them. It goes on all the time. They won't sit under a man because, well, he just, he just don't have the experience that I do. Okay, well, you got the experience. Then once you get your hind end and you sacrifice your family and you put it in a local church and you study and you get the book, you see what I mean? You sit home, do nothing. Lazy as a coon, man. <laughs> All right, back to 2 Timothy 2. Uh, you see in verse 3, the Christian is described as a soldier. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but a husband, and you got that uh, in verse 6. And uh, so the first part of uh, any man's ministry is uh, going to be some hard work. Look at verse 6. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Now what this is, this is an old preacher telling a young preacher uh, how it needs to be. And uh, he's telling them something. He says the first part of your ministry is going to be hard. It's like soldiering, back in verse 3. And there's going to be a lot of pain. And a lot of suffering. Think about when a soldier goes into boot camp. Uh, unless you part of the 1% that's fit and trim, and, and everyone at that age is somewhat fit and trim, but not really. <laughs> but unless you're a part of the 1% genetics that has all the rippling muscles and all that stuff and the 0.3 or 3% body fat, I mean, boot camp, that, that's, I've never been in it, but that looks rough. You know, someone clanging, banging on trash cans at 5 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, and blowing a bugle, you know, get up screaming at you, calling you everything but, you know, what color you are, you know. That's a good picture of the ministry. Lord put the man in the ministry, call you 
to preach, call you to pastor, call you to the mission field, you know what you're going to have to do? There's a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of heartaches, a lot of hardships, a lot of self-denial. You go into boot camp, and if you're, uh, you know, if you're, Phys, uh, physique resembles a Pillsbury Doughboy, you go on half rations. <laughs> and those who are under the certain percentile, they go on double rations. In other words, eat as much as you can in five minutes. That's what that means, you know. <laughs> but uh, a lot of hardship, a lot of self-denial. And you know, in boot camp, you know what you learn? Discipline. You learn that you're a maggot. Amen? That's a Bible word. You're just a worm. He called Jacob, his uh, people, uh, a worm. Jacob, thou worm. <laughs> That's what DI is. I don't know if are they even allowed are they even allowed to do that anymore? Oh, you creature that crawls upon the ground. <laughs> you know, you maggot. I'm telling you what, uh, if the my football coach, even back in the early 90s, man, it was like listening to a horror movie when he talked. It was terrible. You couldn't even repeat the words he said. I suppose you do that now, you get fired, you know, it'd be like Harborough, you'd be out six games out of twenty or something like that. But uh, but I'll tell you what, you talk about learning bad vocabulary. I learned it from my coach. Why? He was a DI. <laughs> and the, his assistant coach was, had been a DI. <laughs> so it was pretty rough. But there's going to be some hardships, some self-denial and discipline. But here's the thing, and we covered this last time uh, we were in this book here. You, you can't be worried about all this. A lot of Christians are like, oh, I don't want to suffer. I don't want the hard times. I don't want the disappointments. But don't worry. about it. If God's called you to do something, look at Romans 11:29. You got to remember this: God has His hand on you, and He has uh, showed you specifically that you are to do something for Him. Then He's not going to take that thing from you. And the Lord's not a Calvinist either. Romans eleven twenty nine, the Bible says, "For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance." Now, the context of that thing is He chose Israel, didn't He? Israel is his chosen people, and he gave them uh, the blessings, the physical blessings, amen, and of this earth, and guess what? He ain't going to take it away, no matter how bunch of rascals they are. <laughs> and for the, but that also applies to you. He called me to preach. He's not going to take it away. I might do things in my life to disqualify me from doing that. And a Christian, he calls you to do, to do something, be a missionary, uh, serve in a church and he deals with your heart on that and he gives you the ability he's not going to take that away so don't worry about the heartaches the hardships the discipline the self-denial you got what he's given you faithful he who called you who also will do it and uh, Solomon also said that over in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 16 I'll just read it here a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before Great men. So God's called you to do something for Him. Um, one of the biggest lessons I learned a little bit too late, maybe that's why the Lord didn't make me a preacher, pastor until I was 39, was I felt I thought that I had to put myself in a position financially where God could use me. Don't laugh. That, that thought was constantly in my mind. Married, raising babies, five of them. <laughs> You know, trying to make ends meet, trying to be part of a local church, trying to give, you know, and kind of how I was brought up, you give till it hurt. Well, that's not always smart. You take care of your responsibilities, and you, you give as you're able. I'm trying to take the pressure off, because if you give till it hurts, and you're not doing it for the right reason, you know what you'll do? You'll get bitter, and you'll look back on 20 years of giving, and say, look what I could have done, and the Lord's like, yeah, I wish you would have kept it. <laughs> Because you, 
you wouldn't have such a stinking rotten attitude right now. I'm telling you the truth. But God's called you to do something and he's given you that ability. The first part of your ministry is not going to be the easiest. It's going to be the hardest thing there ever was. Hardest thing in the world is the first part of whatever you do for the Lord. And the second part of the ministry is going to be, uh, it's going to involve some ministry or some discipline. And you're also going to have to get some training. That's learning how to be a husband and that's verse 6. You see that? The first part is being a soldier. The second part is learning how to be a husband. And to be a husband, you're going to have to get some training. There's no farmer that I've ever met that just kind of like, well, unless it's generational stuff, but then that, that it's still learned as you go. But you're going to have to learn. You can't be a farmer and be stupid. <laughs> you know, there's a, there, there was a mindset in high school, and I went to high school, that FFA was a bunch of dummies. Well, what happened is a bunch of dummies joined up with the FFA just because they wanted to chew tobacco is what they wanted to do. <laughs> but if you're going to be a husband and a farmer, you have to be smart. You have to learn. You have to get some training. And if God's called a, a young man to preach or, uh, or someone to be a missionary, then you ought to, to the best of your ability, learn the Word of God at a Bible institute, not a college. Not a college, a Bible institute. And uh, I believe if you're young enough, you probably ought to go to PBI. And uh, if you're young enough and you can pull up stakes, but if you can't, you ought to go to TBDI. And that's all remote. That's all at the Brother Peacock School there. You say, why them? Because they're strong on the book. I wouldn't recommend these other schools because they're not strong on the book. I wouldn't recommend them at all. Uh, but uh, that's my experience. Not only my experience, but my opinion. They're not strong on the Word of God. I went to a great Great Christian College of Orthodoxy. They're so weak on the book, it's ridiculous. They're building puppets, not preachers. There's not one in 500 men that come out of Pensacola Christian College or preacher away out of a paper bag. And I went there. I got me a degree. Paid in full. But then you say, you're just bitter. Well, maybe about how they treat the book. And if you're not strong on the Word of God, you know what? You're going the wrong way. Now listen, if you're going to get a, a degree, a Juris Doctor, well, <laughs> TBD would be good for you, but it ain't going to get you Juris Doctor, right? You're going to have to go to the right school. You're going to be a plumber. Then you're going to have to go to the trade school. You're going to be an electrician. You see what I mean? But, but I tell, I'd, I'd recommend TBDI for everybody. It'll, it'll change your life. You say, I'm too old. No, you're not. You know, I watch, uh, I watch people in their 70s, 70s walk this year and get their diploma in Christian studies. I'm telling you, that was a blessing. And to sit there and listen to that one gal, and she's saying, thanking the Lord and her husband for helping her turn on the computer. Whew. Honey, will you help me turn on the computer? And she did it. That was a blessing. It's going to take some study, and uh, whether it's schooling or self-study, but here's the thing. As a Christian, you're going to do something for the Lord. Paul's saying here, you better have a plan. And in that plan, you better have a purpose. If you don't, uh, if you don't have something to aim for, you're just going to kind of go nowhere. And in that purpose, uh, it's going to have to come with some preparations. And, of course, with your preparations, it's going to take a... Tremendous amount of perseverance, isn't it? 
And uh, with that perseverance, I believe, when you push through that thing and you accomplish what God wants you to do, He'll give you the power. He'll give you the power. But the second part of a man's ministry, as we're looking at here, there'll be self-discipline, there'll be training. It's going to involve a lot of honesty. Uh, your honesty will be tested. It will be definitely involved. Your motive will be involved. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Your alertness to the things of God will be involved. Your concentration on the Word of God will be involved. And that's all in the second part of the ministry there. And the third part of the ministry, which I'm not to yet, but I'm uh, learning from my mentors what it's all about. Uh, and the third part of the ministry, it'll be sweet. It'll be sweet, but it'll be hard. And it'll be long hours and some carefulness. You have to be careful with things. There'll be some great concerns and lots of prayer and continual study. No matter how far you go in the ministry, no matter how far you go in your Christian life, it's going to take continual study. Continual study. Um, you should never get out of the student's desk. And uh, that's, that's unfortunately how uh, I'm not going to blame my parents. I'm not going to blame the church. But that is just the overall mindset of Christianity. That once you're at a certain level, you are there. And that's when you think you are there, that's when the lights go off. Let me tell you what. I have been there and the lights went off. And it wasn't until I decided, you know what, it's time to get back in the student's desk that the lights look, oh, you want to learn? Okay, let me turn that back on for you. You've been sitting in the dark for about eight months, nine months, three years. Now I'll turn the light back on. Oh, look how fresh and exciting that is. You've got to stay in the student's desk. Now the husbandman, in verse 6, you've got to stay by your crops. You've got to work the ground. Solomon says in Proverbs 27, 23, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds, for riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountain are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. God will bring some goats along many times just to pay some bills. I've seen that many times. Lord, bring goats along. Call me up. Hey, I need a tree taken down. Thank you, Lord, for the goats. <laughs> That's a blessing. 27, uh, Proverbs 27, 27, So thou shalt have goats milk enough for thy food and for the food of thy household and for the maintenance for thy maidens. A man that uh, God calls in the ministry has to stay by that flock and stay by that ground and work that ground. I've just come to the conclusion uh, it'll be we're going into our 10th year uh, here. Uh, I've just come to the conclusion that I can't, I can't measure anything with the work here. I can't make any judgment call, and I can't have any expectations till I've been here at least 20 years. 20 years. You say, why? Because when we came here, we desired to build it on the right foundation. The right foundation is preaching, not programs. And churches across this community and state, no matter where you go, I don't care how awesome they are it's still built upon programs you can get people to come to programs you can keep you can get people to come work in ministries if it's of their mindset but when you start and you build something on the right foundation which is preaching preaching takes precedence guess what it's going to take a long time to build that foundation it's a great foundation like we preached two weeks ago 
it's costly, and it's, it takes huge stones. That means, if you think about it this way, if this is, the church is the people, church is, yeah, so that right, <laughs> church is the people, and, and you're like a stone, you have to get hewed out, don't you? So everyone in here, God's been working on. And you know what, believe it or not, we have a hard time thinking this, he's working on other people right now to be a part of this work right here. You and I can't see it. You know how he's hewing them? That's the stone squares there in the First Kings chapter 7. And he works, and if you remember, what, the work on those stones couldn't be done immediately at the temple site. It had to be done away from it. And the, when it was completed, then it was brought and put in. Now, that's just a type, but that's a, that's a good preaching that we tried to do a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Go there for a while. But a man that God calls into ministry, he's got to stay by the flock and stay by that ground and work that ground. A man can't come and expect to do a work in five years. So if he, if he can, if he can get in and be real successful, well, praise the Lord for it. But what is it built upon? It's going to take a while to build something. Something that grows fast is not always sure. And uh, business, the business mindset of America is fast growth, fast growth. When I was with the ice cream company, I had never had a plan less than 10% growth. And many years it was 30%. That's not sustainable. That's, it's insanity. And so therefore the mindset is not what have you done for me, it's what have you done for me lately. <laughs> That's what the boss says. <laughs> but you can have to stay by the flock and work the ground. And you see the ground has to be plowed up. And you got to break up that fallow ground. Isn't it interesting, uh, some of you are familiar with farming, the more you till the ground, what comes up? Every year you'll see that field and it's smooth and there's nothing, it's just just nice and disked. And, but you know what? At the end of the year, you plow it up. Guess what? There's more stuff coming up every year. There's, where are they coming from? They're coming down from Hades is where they're coming from. Right? The boys and I dug out this one low spot in the driveway. We put a bunch of bricks down there and put about a foot of topsoil on there, tamped it down, smashed, drove on it. Guess what? I'm seeing them bricks. That's a foot. Those bricks came a foot up. How are they getting up there? Well, let me tell you what. The more you work the ground, the more the Lord works on you, the more the stuff comes up out of your heart, don't it? You got, you got a choice. You can go ahead and dig that rock out and ask the Lord to get rid of it, or you can keep covering it up or go around it. All right, you got to break up the fallow ground, and uh, the hedges have to be set. You say, why? Well, the Bible says keep out them little foxes, right? Little foxes, Solomon two, uh, Song of Solomon 2.15. Bible says, take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the, the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. It's the little things in life that are going to get you, Christian. Nine times out of ten, it won't be uh, you like David uh, looking at Bathsheba. Many times, it'll just be little tiny things, just the little foxes, just the little omissions, the little habits little thought processes that are seemingly harmless but eventually uh, overtake the vineyard. A Lamentation 5.8 says, Because of the mountains of Zion, which is desolate, the foxes walk upon it. The foxes walk upon it. 
Well, I'll give you another one. Matthew chapter 21. Look at that real quick. You got to watch out for little things. You got to make sure the ground in your life is plowed up. Paul's telling Timothy, and he's likening that ministry, that uh, walk, that ministry of, of being a servant of Jesus Christ and a preacher to being a husbandman. Matthew 21, 33, the Bible says in verse 33, here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower. Isn't that something? You know what this ministry has to have? It's got to have some towers. You say, well, who is the towers? I don't know, maybe some men that have got some gumption about them to stick around. Amen? Amen. That's some towers. And uh, hedged it round about, digged a wine press in it, built, uh, built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. That tower's got to be set up for the caretaker called the husbandman and the laborer is entitled to eat of the fruit of his labor. So you're seeing a great picture of the ministry come through here. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now the Lord's given me everything I need to do the work here, but some of what I need is men. You see that? And it's my job to stir you up. Stir you up in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, my job is to stir you up to walk close to Him. My job is to stir you up through doctrinal preaching, through practical preaching. Amen. My job is not to... Um, just total blank out right there. That's old age. <laughs> my job is not to put you in the pulpit. My job is not to provide you with a ministry. My job is not to provide you with a title. Now, that's contrary to how this world, because when you get in any business or any job, if you have any ambition that you whatsoever, you want to move up. But if you're smart, not like me, but if you're smart, you stay in your position long enough so you can develop where you're at. So you don't miss any steps. See, when you rise to power and you rise to your titleship and you rise to promotion, so that you missed it all. And what happened is you kick everyone's tail on the way up and you've got to come back down and pat it. <laughs> everyone's that you kicked. You see what I mean? Kind of rough illustration, but you get it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. The Bible says, Who goeth the warfare any time in his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? And so this first fruit, so he gets to taste them before the harvest comes. That's the sweet part. Uh, and that's the last part of the ministry. The last part of the ministry is the harvest of working for God. And that'll be the payday. And that old preacher R.G. Lee said, payday someday. But the Lord don't always pay on Friday, does he? Sometimes you wonder if the Lord's ever going to pay you. Sometimes you look at your Christian life and what you've done and say, what a ripoff. But hey, payday isn't always on Friday. Remember, he's the one that keeps track of everything. Everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, everything, every mile, every dollar you put in the tank for him, every, every time you witness to somebody, every track you pass out, everything you did with the right motive, he's keeping track of it all. And if you don't see it here, you will see it up there. And you can guarantee that the Lord will pay in the end and he'll take care. You look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, moving forward. Notice what he says here to young Timothy in verse 7, Consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. What a great verse. And he sure will. He will give you understanding in all things if you believe what he says. If you believe what he says. 
Now, most young preachers, they think they know everything. <laughs> they do. Most young preachers think they know everything. I, there's a difference between uh, <clears throat> being able to preach and being able to orate. Some men are naturally gifted with the ability to expound and orate and wax eloquent, but that ain't preaching. You know what that is? That's fancy talking. That's all that is. That's Tertullus in the book of Acts. Always having the right words and the right... Now look, I try hard to get illustrations, and one of the most difficult parts for me as a preacher is to find the right illustration that ties it together. Sometimes your best with the right illustration is right out of the Bible. But there are some practical life illustrations that will tie a, a perfect bow on a message. And the message could be just as simple as the day is long, but with the right illustration, man, that thing will pop. Just like a rainbow. After the rain stopped, and you're, man, look at how beautiful that thing, and it brings it all together. And let me tell you, just because you got the right illustration, I mean, you, you can preach. Just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean that God's doing it through you. <clears throat> but let me say something that's very profound. It's very profound not because I'm the one saying it, because uh, rather what's going to be said, but uh, here it is. After you know it all is what it's all about. I mean, after you know everything, then what you know is true learning. That's what it is. So the next Paul, next Paul tells Timothy to remember some things beginning in verse 8. Uh, not only that, he tells Timothy to remember some things in verse 8, but if you glance ahead to verse 14, he's, the congregation is told to remember some things too. Look at verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Back to verse 8, he says, Remember, talking to Timothy, that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. You see that gospel? That's the full revelation of Jesus. That's the full revelation of the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 to 6. That's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's what he's talking about. And that's not that uh, that gospel is the power of God unto salvation, not just the facts. But uh, the commission and the revelation was given to Paul, given to Paul alone. And sometimes he calls it his gospel. And that's because he received it right from the Lord. If you uh, write this down or remember back in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 12, he tells you he received it directly from the Lord. That's how he got it. You wouldn't even have the gospel if you didn't have Paul. Verse, back to 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Verse 9, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Notice he said that? Word of God is not bound. Now, the Word of God is not bound by the covers of a book. It can't be bound. You say, why? Because that book's alive. Uh, it's moving. It's a living thing. That book will move when I shut my mouth and y'all walk out. That thing will keep on going. Uh, it cannot be bound by circumstances or critics or infidels. can't be bound. You can shut up the preacher, but you can't shut up the book. So because it gets out of the cover and, uh, and it preaches, it discerns the very thoughts of your heart. And you can never bind up the Word of God. You've got to remember that. Verse 10, the Bible says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, therefore, in verse 10, and that is, of course, because of what he just said. 
And notice also that eternal glory in verse 10 includes the millennial reign in verse 12. And then, not only a millennial reign in verse 12, but it includes rewards in verse 20 to 21 by preaching the gospel, by being a good soldier, by being a faithful husbandman, and by not binding up the word of God. Look at verse 11. It's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. There's the millennial reign right there. You see it? The context is the millennial reign in verse 12. And what is being denied in the context of verse 12? Someone says, oh, that means you go to hell. Absolutely not. The context is the millennial reign and someone getting the opportunity to reign with Jesus Christ. Do you see that in the passage? So at the end of the verse, he says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Deny what? The opportunity to reign with Jesus Christ. I want you to see that and notice it. The denying done is the ability to reign. Some people get to that passage, and because they don't understand the context, which is the millennial reign, the glory that he's talking about, he's like, oh, if I deny Jesus Christ, then I'll get up here, and he'll deny me, and I can't go to heaven. No, that's not it at all. It's denying a Christian an opportunity to reign during the millennial reign. Amen? Ain't that something? Context dictates everything. And some folks stumble across this verse and think they're going to go to hell. They don't suffer for Jesus Christ. That ain't what it said. Has nothing to do with salvation at all. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. When you come across uh, passages that seem difficult to you, always rely on Pauline doctrine. You say, what is that? You can't lose your salvation. That is how you can read, you can read any book of the Bible and be perfectly sound in your Bible reading by falling back on Pauline doctrine. You can get over there in the book of Matthew and it talks about enduring to the end, the same shall be saved. You go, okay, well that's obviously not for me because I was saved by grace through faith plus nothing. So that either is future or to somebody else, but it ain't to me. And you take another sip of your coffee and you keep reading. Amen. Over in Colossians chapter 3, 24, we'll be done just a second here, you see that uh, reigning is conditioned upon serving. So suffering is right here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse what? 12, right? 2.12, if we suffer, you get to reign. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 24, it's also conditioned upon serving. Look at Colossians 3.24 real quick. Suffering and serving. Suffering and serving. You want to reign with Jesus Christ, then you'll have to suffer. And that's not always physical suffering. A lot of times suffering is a state of mind. Colossians 3.24, some people think, well, I never had bamboo stakes driven underneath my fingernails, so therefore I won't be able to reign. <laughs> I hope you haven't, but look, just because you get bamboo stakes shoved under your fingernails doesn't mean you're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.24, the Bible says, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, look at it, for ye serve the Lord Christ. How do you serve the Lord, church? Through the local church. You see it? You serve the Lord through his body of believers. You serve the Lord through what God set up for you. That's why God gave gifts unto men. And you serve the Lord through your local church. That's where you start. 
men. We're talking about, remember, the passage talking about striving lawfully. All right, and uh, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, you see those reigning with Christ, reigning with Christ. Um, and we'll stop right there and pick up uh, on verse 12 next time we're together.